see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody, to Spit. Scott Bass here with you. David Lee Scales joins us, of course, my our great fearless co-host and really the leader of the podcast world. Well, second in, <laughs> but uh, been running fast for years. Yeah. Second yeah. in. I saw you came across your archive. Did you just stumble upon that or did you go back and... I mean, I knew I had it. I, I have it on a hard drive, and I plugged in my hard drive to just—I forget why. And I stumbled. Yeah, I stumbled upon it. And I'm like, and I started listening to him. And there's a couple archive of down the line from 2005 onward. Yeah, um, mostly from 08. I don't think I have anything before 08. Although I do have in the lineups from Surfer Magazine from way back on videotapes, mini DVs. Wow. Yeah. How many episodes do you think you have total? Oh man, I don't need, like total maybe fifty. Oh, that's it. Well, I mean, I you guys recorded. I didn't even. I didn't even you, was it know. weekly? Yeah, I maybe more than fifty. I don't know. I got to look. Yeah, between fifty and a hundred. How's that? Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, that's fifteen years ago, dude. I know, right? Crazy. And now. And now here we are recording, I don't know, 70 miles from one another, maybe even more than that, um, with a video camera and everything. Technology's come a long way in 15 years. Well, I feel like the distancing thing is so much better when I can see you and you can see me. It just, it it helps immensely as far as, yeah. I open my notes app and I cover my own face up. So I'm just looking at you because I find it to be distracting if I can see both of us. I'm going to do no, that. No, no, no. Don't oh. cover yourself up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dude, you have paper notes. I'm talking about my note, my notes app on the computer. You just put printed paper notes in front of the screen. No, no, no. No, I have a piece of tape here. I usually have this thing covered. Oh, I know. Me too. And so, I, But um, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Just cover my like, face with some sort of something, right? I'm covering my own face is my point. I got so you. I can only see your face because I agree with you. It helps. Oh. It's it's okay, easier yeah. to have the visual conversation than it is just over the phone. I just did that. And this was wonderful. The things that I learned from you are amazing. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. By the um, way, I really have a question about your hair. Are you, does this, does this you froze. Cor- coronavirus lockdown? Oh, sorry. You didn't get that. I'm, I heard you say I have a question. Yeah, I have a question about your hairdo. Talk to me. Does the coronavirus lockdown, does it affect the fact that you still don't use shampoo in your hair? Um, No, it hasn't affected my shampoo, my non-shampoo routine, but I haven't been able to cut my hair. Well, nobody has, really. I know. It's, It's like now it's super long. I combed it today for the first time in years. I don't know if you could tell that it's combed. Um. But I was really 
not comfortable with it getting so long. And I think I pushed past the point of discomfort to where now I'm embracing the length. Still needs to get trimmed on the side, but it's doing some new things now that it wouldn't do before when it was shorter. And I think I'm going to keep it long. I've broken into a new hairstyle. What about like doing a Gavin Newsom? What's like, his MO? Just, you'd have to throw something in it to kind of wet it down and give you like a Pat Riley sort of slicked back look. The good then news is that if you don't wash your hair for five years, there's enough oil in it to where it automatically is slickable like that. Are you still in a relationship? I am. So what does this person think about what did, what did she, what was the reaction when you told her that you haven't used shampoo in five, 10 years or whatever it's been? It's been five years. Um, she was mortified at first. Like everybody always uh, thinks that it is interesting, you know, like, oh my God, wait, what, why? And then once she actually got up in there and smelled it and worked her way around, she was not mortified because she realized that it's so healthy and luxurious and beautiful <laughs> that there's no arguing with the results, you know? That Even is... if all of her life's experience would have told her to be like completely offended by it. Once she got up in it, she realized her life experience was wrong and I was right. Just that phrase, getting up in it, is <laughs> a little bit scary. <laughs> it is. Hey, dude, we have a few things I need to follow up on with you too. Yeah. Aside from hair washing rituals. Um, Chloe Andino was being interviewed by the WSL or he was on the WSL live, whatever. And fans were sending in questions and somebody said, what song would you love to use in a surf edit? And guess who he said? The Almond Brothers. He did. Almond Brothers. I, I don't know the name of the song that he chose. He, he said, Almond Brothers have this one song that I really love. And he was like struggling to think of it. And I don't know that he ever actually identified the song. But he did pick Allman Brothers. So I thought you would dig that. Yeah, the WSL even put the song on, like they found it on YouTube. Oh, they did? Yeah. And oh, they put okay. it on. Yeah. I'm not, I actually wasn't familiar with the song. Shocking. I know. Chloe, deep cut. Um, the, other, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, for months you were hyping your trip to Monkey, Monkey What Surf Resort. Yeah, Monkey's Surf Resort. When was when, that? When was that supposed to happen? Monkey's Resort. That was supposed to happen in May. Oh, so you're screwed. You're not yeah. going. No, nobody's going anywhere. Singapore is on a 14. First of I think, did we talk about this already? No. Sing, Singapore is on a lockdown. In other words, you can't go through Singapore unless you're a Singapore resident or you have one of two like visas, like a work visa or a school visa. And if you're one of those three categories, you're as soon as you arrive, you're in a 14-day quarantine. And if you're a transit passenger just traveling through Singapore to get somewhere else, you're not allowed in the country. You're not Got even it. allowed in the airport. So Singapore is a no-go. So I looked into ways of getting to Indo via Australia, which is basically the same time frame. You'd fly to Sydney or wherever, Brisbane, and then fly up to Jakarta from there. But it's just such a pain in the butt. It turns the trip, the travel time, it just it just turns it upside down. Plus, um, it's just there's just too much weird shit going on. Everything's every yeah. there's no surf travel happening. And well, in fact, is Monkey I, Surf Resort still open? Yeah, they're open. I think there's some people there from Australia. 
I'm not, I'm not positive, but all the resorts are basically like there's nobody there. There's right. a occasional ones, onesie twosie travelers, I think. But um, I spoke with a buddy of mine who's down in Mexico, down in Selena Cruz, and he's down there by himself. He has a place down there. He has he owns a resort down there or whatever, a camp, a surf camp down there, and he's just down there hunkering down. He's Tom Curran is there, so it's just him and Tom Curran basically, and a, and a few of the local guys. But there's no gringos or gringettes. I saw that um, Alex Gray did an Instagram live with Tom Curran the other day from oh. from that exact spot. Oh, and yeah, how is it that Tom Curran is just spending months on end in his mid fifties, quote testing boards in quarantine in Mexico? Because because he's the greatest ever. Tom Curran is the greatest, right? He's just so unassuming and low key, but he just happens to find himself at perfect right points testing boards <laughs> quote i wish they could see our finger quotes um for months on end i mean doesn't he have family obligations doesn't he have other life obligations everybody just gives him a complete free pass to go test boards for months yes they do and god bless him it's wonderful i live vicariously also, through him also is he testing skim boards he's just testing boards man there needs to be a t-shirt made i'm testing boards do you have any idea what he's testing? No, <laughs> no, he's, he's just he's just riding whatever people give him. Who knows? Whatever, whatever the aliens place down here from their spacecraft. Exactly. The guy's brilliant. <laughs> he, Excuse I, me, I'm testing boards. So um, I tried to watch some of that interview, and it was almost unwatchable because Tom is so you know yeah. just not a great interview. Yeah. And then I talked to Alex the other day, um, just on the phone. And he said, he goes, yeah, it's weird. Tom is so smart. He goes, Tom is funny. He's super smart. One on like, if you are having an actual face-to-face -face conversation with him, but for some reason, whenever the mics come on, whether it's microphones or like a, a camera, he just starts saying, um, a lot and stuttering and can't complete a sentence. Yeah, I know that's unfortunate. It's, it's uh, that seems to be his mo. But yeah, but but it's interesting that Alex, because I'd never spent any time with Tom, but Alex was saying that no, he's very funny, very smart. So yeah, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, so we could talk about beach closures. There's a lot going on in San Diego, but one final thing I want to know about is: did you or did you not bury a surfboard in the last two weeks? I will be burying a surfboard tomorrow. The mission goes down tomorrow. Really? Yeah. I did okay. the re I did the recon. I reconnoitered. Reconnoitered. I re <laughs> <laughs> Reconnaissanced. Yeah. <laughs> I love that word. Reconnoitered. Is that a word? Hell yeah. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, it is. Dude, are you playing Scrabble with all your free time? You remember that show on HBO? It was called. Um, it was about the. It was about the that town in Montana, back in the Wild West, Deadwood. Okay, it's called oh, yeah. Deadwood. Um, but who who did that? Was that David Lynch or who, who did, did? Anyway, it wasn't Deadwood. David Lynch, but yeah, it was somebody. I forget his so, name. Yeah, he's 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 a classic. So he's the same guy that did John from Cincinnati. That guy. Oh, okay. Okay. Milch. 
David I'm looking Milner? it up. I'm looking it up. Anyway, there's a character on there, and he used to say that word a lot. He'd be like, oh, well, let's go reconnoiter. <laughs> so, so it is a word? Yeah. That's what the, the phrase recon, reconnaissance comes from reconnoiter. I had no idea, dude. Now, you just I, taught me something new. I thought you were making stuff up. I may have put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, which, which is what I think that guy in the show did, which is why I think it's a funny word. Reconnoiter. Let's go reconnoiter. Anyway. Gotcha. Well, yes, David Milch is his name. I will be burying a board. I've actually picked out a camouflage board bag. I'm fully all in. Like, I got so excited yesterday when I reconnoitered that it was doable that that uh, I'm like, I'm like a 15 year old kid. I'm just, I'm going on a surf trip tomorrow. Let's just put it that way. I'm going on a surf trip. So just to bring people up to speed, surfing's illegal in San Diego right now. All the beaches are shut down. So you have a spot where you believe you can access, you're going to hide a surfboard in the dark. You're going to bury it. And then you can come back and access that board anytime you want in street clothing with a wetsuit underneath and then just paddle out and go surf. A, why do you think nobody's going to see you surf? Once you get the board and make it into the water, why won't people see you surf and then bust you? Well, it, it it's it's a 50-50 deal here, right? But the idea is that I'm, I'm in the water at the crack of dawn, and I'm out of the water by before 7 a.m. And it's a location that is, I can't give too much away here, but it's a location that, it's not necessarily, I mean, it is in the ocean, right? Obviously. So everyone's, you know, people could see you, but it's not a spot where there's a lot of people looking. Okay. So. But I'm it figured, is a spot with a good wave. No, the wave's not even really going to be that good. This is more about at this point, you just got to get wet and you got to catch a couple waves, you know, now yeah. it could be good. I mean, I've, I first surfed there 35 years ago. You know, like it, it's a surf spot, but it's, yeah. it's nothing special, Okay. but there's going to be some wind swell tomorrow morning and, uh, and the winds are going to be offshore and grooming it. And so there could be a few moments, but to me, it's kind of just about the journey as much as the destination. I agree. It's hilarious. It's amazing. <laughs> this so is going to go, go down in podcast, like folklore in the future like remember when everybody was quarantined for those six months and scott bass not only buried a board but bought a camouflaged board bag to bury the board in i didn't buy one i just found one in my garage oh, okay because you know you can't have the board just you know out in the elements maybe the wax melts off you don't want to go down there the next time and have the wax be all screwy you know but there's actually a lot to this because when you think about it, do I wear shoes or do I go barefoot? You Sandals. Know, so, no, I think I got to wear boots. So I'm wearing boots because it's kind of a gnarly little trail and it's also rattlesnake season. So I'm going to wear boots, but with a full suit on with clothes over it. And then when I get there, do I undress on the beach? Of course, the answer is no. So I got to undress sort of in the woods and... And then I stash my backpack with my clothes and my boots and then run down to the beach and run out into the ocean. And then if, in fact, I do get 
terrorized by the cops or the park rangers or the lifeguards or whoever it is that does it, do I run? Do I just run back into the scene and, and, and kind of like roll the dice that they're going to follow me up into there? Okay. So is there any added fine or punishment for running? Well, it's interesting. I, I found, I don't know. The answer is I don't know, but I bet there is because at that point you're evading. I don't know if you're evading arrest because are you getting arrested? No, I don't think so. I think you, there's no risk of running. I think the answer is you have to run. Okay. Well, let me bring up, this brings up a story. So I, I did some searching and I Googled in, you know, surfers getting arrested, right? And basically what I found is that there's more than a few petitions that are circulating around. Who's that in the background? Are there kids? Somebody outside, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Somebody, it's a neighbor. Jeez, do you have kids already? <laughs> anyway, the, mm. so there's, there's quite a few petitions circulating. Basically, all of these petitions are asking officials to open up ocean access to surfing. And there's one in Emerald Isle, North Carolina. And the petition was in reaction to the arrest of three surfers the other day at Emerald Isle in North Carolina. And the town police arrested three guys after an incident in which the police chief said that these three surfers would not leave the water after being told repeatedly to do so by officers over a period of nearly an hour. The surfers are Peyton West, Parker Bell, and Ian Schulte. And they were cited for violating the temporary ocean prohibition against swimming, surfing, and other non-motorized vehicles. Now, the police chief said that both Mr. West <clears throat> excuse me, and Mr. Schulte had previously been issued warnings by the town's officers and that this was Mr. Bell's first offense. And as a result of their actions, the U.S. Coast Guard resources were requested and a drone had to be deployed in order to gain compliance and get these three young men to exit the water. Had they simply complied with the numerous requests by the officers at the scene, the whole situation could have been avoided. So a couple of things here, right? Why did the police chief have to call in the friggin' U.S. Coast Guard and a drone? Like to me, that's ridiculous. Over, that's over. and this this so this is obvious. Like they're like their ego is, hey man, they're not listening to us. They're not coming in. Let's escalate it instead of just sitting there on the beach and waiting. Eventually, they're going to come in. At which point, you could have done whatever you did. Right. But because they brought in a Coast Guard, because they escalated it, now they have to arrest them. They can't just cite them. Now they have to arrest them. They could have done the right thing and just went, oh, well, okay. We'll let them win this battle, but we're going to win the war and, and write them a citation. We don't have to arrest them. But, of course, you do once you bring in the Coast Guard. At that point, you have to, you know, flex your muscle. Yep. <clears throat> now, in addition, let me just real quick fill you in, David. Two days ago in Emerald Isle, North Carolina, a man wearing a United States Navy dress uniform went into the ocean about knee deep in the same location in an apparent protest against the town's restrictions amid the coronavirus pandemic. So picture a guy in a Navy dress uniform with the hat, with all of the regalia, the buttons and the medals, the stripes 
like a really nice a type of dress uniform you would wear at a ceremony, not like going right. to work. But And he stood there, uh, like I said, um, in knee-deep water. He was identified as a retired United States Navy chief, and he put a sign that said, Land of the Free in the Sand. And um, he basically just stood there, and the cops showed up. And he stood his ground. He was approached by law enforcement officers, but he would not remove himself from the water. He refused their request to remove himself from the water. The sailor eventually left the water on his own accord, and the and the police did nothing. They just let him walk away. Good. Yeah. And since then, um, I believe as a result of all of this, Emerald Isle on Saturday coming up here next week, is um, is re- is lifting their their restrictions about using the ocean. Good. So, what is your thought on San Diego being completely closed? Well, a couple things. I'm hearing some rumblings. Right. I talked to somebody that's pretty high up, and I can't say who, but he's in the negotiations. Basically, the reason San Diego County is on a lockdown is because of the San Diego County. Uh, County Board of Supervisors implemented an emergency order. And that emergency order was in place and basically they took their lead off of the federal government's response. And so the County Board of Supervisors is looking at the federal government for guidance and they're using the guidance they're getting from the federal government. And in the County Board of Supervisors emergency order, they've been amending it like day by day as you know they need to amend it relative to how the population is adhering to their order. And a couple of weeks ago, they amended it with amendment section 12, which says at this time, the ocean's closed, parks and beaches are closed. That's when they really did the full lockdown. This was a couple of weeks ago. I want to say April 2nd. That's when they wrote section 12. So now Christine Gaspar, who's one of the County Board of Supervisors, has written a letter to her other board members saying, hey, we need to rewrite section 12. Our people, the population needs to be able to access the coastline, access parks and access trails. This has gone too far. The county's also getting some pressure from some other high ups. Notably, the mayor of Coronado has put out a letter to the public saying, hey, come on, we get it. We just want to ease this thing a little bit. I'll read his letter because um, it's pretty I think pretty well worded. Yeah. And so what I think we're going to see is not a full stop opening of beaches, but we're going to rather see an easing of the restrictions. There's going to be very limited parking. It wouldn't surprise me if parking lots remain closed. Right. Um, you're going to be probably allowed to walk or exercise. You're going to have to keep moving. You're going to have to be six feet apart. You will be able to access the ocean. There will be no beach games, no volleyball, no sunbathing, no picnicking, no laying down, no sitting, and it's going to be strictly enforced. But I and, and so I, I hesitate to use the phrase opening of the beaches, but there will be an easing of the restrictions. That's what I'm feeling. That could happen. You might start to see, we're already seeing some, you know, some officials sort of mentioning that. And I think this week, maybe even tomorrow or today, you're going to start to see them say, hey, by this date, this is what our plan is. But they're very hesitant to to use the phrase opening of beaches. They 
they're not going to open the beaches, but they are going to restrict access or ease some of the restrictions to the access. So the question remains, what are your thoughts on San Diego being shut down? Okay. Um, do, you, do you agree with it? I, I, <laughs> I think it's um, probably for the greater good. I think what we've done so far has proven to be effective. The curve has flattened. We're seeing less and less. Uh, if you believe the data, we're seeing less people being infected. We're seeing the curve flattening, which means that what they've done and what we have done together as a community has been successful. And I do think now would be a good time to start to slowly ease these restrictions. However, I stress that, and I'm not an expert, but I think that if we consider this thing just a full stop reopening of society and we, you and I and the rest of us in the community act like it's quote unquote over, we could get shut down for longer, even harder. And so I think what they've done is good. And I think we all need to just relax and kind of slowly meander into this, you know, easing of restrictions with um, almost more, um, discretion and more concern and continue to wear masks and continue to use social distancing and continue to only really go out for essentials. And certainly at this point, we could add perhaps a brisk walk on the beach for an hour as an essential and then coming back and sheltering at home and or going into the ocean, but not like hovering around each other when we surf. Um, you know, so those are my thoughts. I think it um, jumps the line when you're arresting people and giving them fines. So I think it's okay to like the way that it's implemented in Huntington or in Orange County, not all of Orange County, actually Huntington and Newport. You can surf. The beaches are open. All the parking lots are closed. And a lot of the easiest access to those to a long stretch of those beaches is the state parking lots. So if you want to actually get to the beach, let's say in the stretch between Newport and Huntington, you'd have to go park across PCH on the inland side and walk at least a quarter of a mile over to the beach, which most people don't do. Very, very, very few people do that. And so I can go do that right now and surf empty waves by myself, completely socially distanced from everybody. And that that actually works well. And that's legally allowed currently. And I think that that's been an effective thing. Obviously, it's unique to um, the way that geography is laid out in a given beach town. But I don't think, like, realistically, there's no inherent threat for additional spread in surfing or in walking on the beach. Those are activities that, I mean, they're still, you're still allowed to ride a bicycle. You're still allowed to do a lot of recreational activities. So surfing is no more of a threat than any of those activities. I think it's just when the legislators are trying to decide what are things that we can actually shut down, the beach is a logical one and a park is a logical one because they have the, um, just like, ability to do it. They can put a lock on a parking lot there where they can't necessarily do that for a bike lane, you know, on PCH. So that's why they say that in their, um, 
decision making in their room, their conference rooms when they're making the decisions. But the reality is, is that we all need recreation. We all need sunlight. There's an element of kind of spiritual and mental well-being and health that we're going to have to start factoring in at the one at the two month mark and the three month mark, especially if this goes on for six months, you can't be locked in. It's just not healthy for you. There's going to be ramifications for that, for being locked indoors for that extended period of time. So I think that beaches should be open. Um, but, and then for people who are violating those things, like your the story that you read, you shouldn't be fined a thousand dollars for that. You know, like you can be reprimanded or told to go in or something, but fining people. And I understand that they're fining and arresting to set an example so that more people don't show up tomorrow and do it. But it really is an infringement on civil liberty at a certain point where there's zero threat for this thing that we're doing. And you're now imposing a new rule that wasn't in place last month for the greater good, except this doesn't really threaten a greater good when you really look at it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know, kind of rambly, but no, I, I, I you make great points and, and, um, you know, I, I like I said, I think it's going to be cool that, you know, I think we're going to start to see this thing kind of relaxed a little bit. It feels um, relaxed up here, to be honest. Especially well, where you're at, you're, have you been surfing? I have yeah. my, my thought on a lot of this has changed in the last two weeks since we talked. Um, last time we spoke, I was like, you know what? I'll stay home for a couple of months. No big deal. I don't care about surfing that much. This is for the greater good. Stand in solidarity. And then I got to thinking about it and I go, I was kind of applying what's happening in New York. Let's pretend like that's happening here and treat this as the worst case scenario and just lock down in solidarity. And then I, I needed groceries and I went to the grocery store and there was no line and the shelves were full and it felt like things are changing here for the better. Like, I don't know if we've rounded a bend, but, and maybe the worst is still ahead, but it just felt different. And the sun is out and the beaches are open. And I thought, can I go surfing today without risking myself or anybody else? And the answer was yes. So I went and did that and I came home. I felt great. And it's like, wait, why am I applying the worst case scenario here when that I'm living under the fear, you know, the fear tactic kind of, thing. And I want to be respectful of everybody who doesn't have the same liberties that I have or same access that I have and all that same sort of thing. But the reality is it just isn't that bad here. And so I don't need to uh, pretend that it is. Well, it's interesting, right? Because um, I mean, many would argue, well, it's not bad because of what we've done, because we've been so effective in our social distancing. On top of that, there's the asymptomatic aspect of this that you and I could have it right now, not even know it and just be like, aren't isn't this great? Everything's back to normal. And we could be infecting the little old lady next to us in line at the grocery store. But I'm not. That's the thing is, I'm how do you know you're not asymptomatic? How do you know you're not carrying it right now? What I'm, I'm not saying that I know that I'm saying I'm not infecting anybody else. All the things that I've done outside of my home, I've not encountered anybody else. When I've gone out, I wear a mask. And I, you know, yeah. try my best. I do whatever the CDC says to not yeah. uh, infect anybody else. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, things are good here. So I'm going to go out and start coughing and like interacting with people and hugging them. No, no, no. I go out, never interact with anybody else. I surf far away from everybody else. And then I come home and mind my own business. So yeah. 
I'm not worried well, about it. Speaking of uh, wearing masks, um, there was a protest here in Encinitas at Swami's a couple days ago. I think it was Saturday or Sunday. And um, it was horrible. It was so embarrassing. Um, there was no mask, very few masks being worn. There was no social distancing. There was people jumping up and down, screaming. It was almost like a homecoming parade. People were honking their horns as they drove by. Just three blocks up the street, literally, David, is the Scripps Memorial Hospital, and there's people that are sick in ICU beds and nurses and doctors that are grinding away and at risk of being exposed. And this homecoming parade to, quote-unquote, open up the beaches was like, if anything, it was it was – it was simply a, a reason, uh, it was proof that we don't have the ability to to kind of um, self-quarantine and self-maintain distancing and wear masks. Like, it was just, it was an embarrassment, the way they reacted. Yeah, know, but- Did you see this on the news at all? I did, and I saw, you sent me a photo or two, and then I saw it on the news as well. But, I mean, it, I agree with everything you're saying, and those people look silly. However- it's a response to people being treated unreasonably. Like again, shutting down the beaches is not a reasonable move. And so, and they dealt with that for two or three weeks. They didn't say anything. And they've gotten to the point where they go, Hey, Hey, city lawmakers, this is unreasonable. If you're not shutting down the bicyclists who are riding around in a Peloton of 10 people, then why would you shut us down here? So I think, yeah, those people are silly, but again, it's a reaction to being treated unreasonably. Right, but the way that they, the way that they manifest their protest was completely wrong. Completely, I mean, the way they should have done this, if they were to do a proper protest, like if let's just say if I was in charge of it, I would get 150 people together, and each of them would have a surfboard, and I would have them line up, 10 feet apart with masks on, 10 feet apart, and string them in a line from Swami's all the way to Solana Beach or even into Del Mar, depending on how many people you get. And what a fabulous visual that would make because there was helicopters flying over this. If you had five miles of people with surfboards and masks spread out 10 feet apart, all the way from Encinitas, three communities down, um, silently, not jumping up and down, not right. like acting like it was some sort of hoorah parade, it would have been such a better uh, use of the protest because they would have been doing what? They would have been following all the guidelines that the county has already set in place. Instead of flipping them off, they would have been saying, hey, we get it. We're willing to do what it takes. But here's proof that, you know, we want you to know that we don't agree with some of these things, you know, i.e. access to the ocean. Completely. Yeah. Doing it by their own rules would have been the most effective way to do it for sure. Um, I'm going to read this quote from mayor rich Bailey of Coronado. The, the headline for it is, can we all agree that surfing should not be a crime? And he says, quote, 
Since when did catching a wave turn into an illegal activity worthy of a $1,000 fine and a misdemeanor? Although some state and county of health officials have credited social distancing for reducing the spread of COVID-19 in our region effective April 10th, county health officials made it illegal to participate in a variety of activities, regardless of whether social distancing was possible, including surfing. With rare exception, the public has practiced social distancing as part of our collective effort to protect our most vulnerable population. The success of these efforts is evidenced by the low case and hospitalization rate in San Diego County. However, the latest county health order is is unreasonable, threatens to erode the public's trust and compliance. I think that's a key sentence right there. In addition to turning lone surfers into criminals, the county health order also criminalizes fishing alone on your boat, paddling, or paddleboarding in the bay, and even watching a sunset from your car. The policy, for the policy to be effective, it must be evenly applied, logically sound, and in the public's best interest. If social distancing can be maintained, does it really matter if you are social distancing in the ocean or on land? Does it make a difference if you are six feet apart from one another while walking on the sidewalk versus walking on the beach? If you're catching fish from your boat, are you more of a danger to public's health than buying fish at a grocery store? Of course not, six feet is six feet. Enforcement of these prohibitions is is not in the public's best interest. These orders are an abuse of power that infringe on basic civil liberties and defy common sense while putting the health of the public and enforcement officers at risk. The public deserves to be treated with trust and respect. Policies that are arbitrary, inconsistently applied, and criminalize harmless activity erode the public's trust. As politicians, economists, and health officials begin to deliberate on how to safely reopen the county and state, many consequential decisions have been made with lives and livelihoods hanging in the balance. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, can we at least agree that surfing should not be a crime? Boom, end quote. Yeah, that was a great letter. And I saw him on the news this morning and there's absolutely all of these things sort of point to what I was suggesting earlier that you're going to see sooner rather than later, um, you know, some soundings from people in charge that that um, they're going to rewrite Section 12 of the San Diego County um, Emergency Order so that there is some restricted access for us. Well, when well, that happens, I don't know, but sooner rather yeah, than later. But let's let's kind of uh, consider that pandemics may be. A common thing in the future like as quickly as global as the economy and the world is and everybody's traveling everywhere all the time things like this can come up this might be something that we deal with every six months where we have a quarantine protocol that we all learn and everybody has a food supply at home and we lock down for two weeks and if that is the case then we need to have reasonable regulations in place and so hopefully we can suss some of this out now um, for application in the future because the way that it is being erratically enforced now leaves a lot of room for somebody to um, take advantage, for somebody to manipulate the system in a way that is completely unjust, take advantage, you know, that are completely impinging on our civil liberties and our human liberties. And I don't want to sound dystopian or like conspiracy theorist, but it's a completely ripe situation for that. We all just sign off and resign our civil liberties because we presume that the decision makers are doing the right thing. When in reality, 
it's really erratic and short-sighted and not evenly distributed, you know? Yeah, I think uh, initially when something crazy like this happens, you sort of do have to throw a general and broad blanket on it all. And now is the time to start to kind of um, real real back that blanket and start to look at regionally what makes sense for this area yes. might not make sense for that area. Exactly. Um, another detail in San Diego County, in Oceanside, Surfride was shut down forcibly by the local Oceanside Police Department. So on their Instagram, they said um, they were doing appointment-based shopping and, quote, apparently surf retail isn't deemed essential. And one person in a 10,000-square-foot building doesn't seem to comply with six-foot social distancing. Our appointment-based sales weren't crushing it by any means, but the extra couple dollars it was bringing in helps us cover basic expenses like electricity, internet, trash, um, which we couldn't temporarily cancel because retail wasn't required to shut down. Along with the sales, we were able to provide the community with birthday presents, surf necessities, an escape from being locked down if for only 15 minutes, and the glorious smell of surf wax as you walk in the door. There's never been a time when we needed the community and local support like we needed it now. Um, that's kind of the most of what they say. And what I'll say to that is, obviously, surf retail is not essential. But the reality is, Amazon, Walmart are still, they're crushing it. And they're using Walmart as a the store itself, they're using as a fulfillment center, whereas Amazon has fulfillment centers that are remote. So you order something online, there are workers there picking those things and then delivering them to you. Walmart, you can order it online and go in the store to pick it up. Lululemon is doing the exact same thing, using their retail as order fulfillment. So I think- How do you know this? Have you ordered some Lululemon? No, no, no. It's in the that, news. Is that Lululemon you're wearing right now? It's in the news. Um, so my point is there's there's national brands, larger brands that are figuring out how to be responsible and still keep the economic wheels turning. And it's short-sighted of the Oceanside PD to just be like, you're a small business that's not essential, shut it down without actually looking into the fact that they're still abiding by the social distancing rule, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that was a, I saw that story and, and I know the Bernards and it's a bummer and all of the surf retail, I mean, all retail in general, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's just, there's going to be some carnage, some business carnage, unfortunately, because of this. Yeah. Um, I do see that in Ventura, they lifted, you're allowed to surf in Ventura. They did the same thing in Santa Cruz a couple of days ago. So this is starting to happen, um, starting to get peeled back a little bit. If it does get peeled back, it's kind of never been a better time to be a surfer, to be honest. Why do you say that? I mean, dude, I'm surfing empty waves. There's wide open, empty stretches of coast around here. It's more empty, obviously, than I've ever seen in a long time, ever, period. <laughs> Just flat out, period. I've got more time on my hands. It's sunny. It's like kind of amazing. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. There's a massive high pressure system building here. There's going to be wind swell and it's going to be a, a crazy warm, warm spell the next few days. Friday is supposed to be like 85 degrees on the beach, which is just going to be chaos. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to be a bit of chaos. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in the next few days regarding enforcement, regarding police, regarding people 
sort of pushing the limit, pushing the envelope and forcing the issue. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if that happens. By the way, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing the exact opposite of that. I'm going early, getting out early before anyone can see me. I'm not trying to poke the bear. I'm trying to sleep next to the bear. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm kind of of two minds. I'm almost apprehensive to even admit that I'm surfing because kind of my thought is, look, if you can do it without anybody knowing and not advertise it and not showboat about it, then by all means do it. So even me talking about it, I feel like is a violation of my own code. You know, like Derek Dunphy posted that video of him paddling out at sunset, I think last night or the night before. And I'm thinking, don't broadcast it because now everybody's going to want to follow your lead. Like this is the oldest rule in surfing, right? Is like, don't talk about it. And so I guess it's our job on the podcast to talk about it, but um I feel like I'm violating my own code kind of. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, um, I guess first I would ask you not to, not to post any of those photos or videos I sent you, please. I won't, I won't. And then, yeah, there is sort of a bit of a hypocrisy here or a contradiction on my part because, um, but I just feel like um, it's kind of good pod, you know, this little, this little adventure I'm going to take. And it's and, so good. And it's kind of, and it's more, like I said, it's more about the journey than the destination. Like I might catch a couple waves, you know, big deal. But I'm not like trying to get garner attention to it or anything like that. By the way, I did surf crappy waves this week and it was awesome. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, I'm jonesing. I'm, I'm jealous of you. My, by the way, my son's been surfing up by you. He's been surfing Huntington. He's, he like does the hour and a half drive every day to surf. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah I surfed the junkiest waves in a long time the other day. And like, I caught, I stood up on one and the other one I body boarded on. Cause it was like, wasn't even worth standing up on. It was that crappy. And just those two waves and getting in the water and being in the sun, I came home psyched, you know, yeah. Yeah. I would have been, I would have been frustrated on that session six months ago. And now it's just like, eh, good enough for me. Yeah. Great. I, I got to say when I reconnoitered yesterday, and I was the only one on the beach, probably in all of San Diego County, maybe. It was pretty, it was pretty cool just being yeah. like the lone guy on the beach. It was like uh it was like Charlton Heston in Planet of the Apes or something. Totally. Yeah, it really does revitalize your your stoke. Hey, we've got a few minutes left here. Um I did want to ju- touch base with you on the stab thing that they did with Mick Fanning and John John Florence. Um, just some things that might bring up some topics for you. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. And I'm eager to, so I'm, I want to hear what's, well, I'm going to boil it down for you. Um, okay. if you don't mind, um, Mick Fanning basically owes a lot of his competitive success to his mental approach and his mindset more so than his physical prowess. Not that he's not a great surfer, but he basically says competitively, it was my mental approach. And um, John John Florence says that um, 98% of his free time is thinking about surfing on the tour and competing. And so he kind of agrees with Mick that, and this is something you and I have talked about ad nauseum that, look, yeah, there's a million, you know, Carlos Munozas out there and Matt Bantings, but there can be only one. How, <laughs> but how many of them have the mental makeup? to be champion or even be on the WCT. And, and that's where you, and in any sport, that's where you separate the men from the boys. 
Um, John John goes on to say that um, he he comes off as sort of um, emotionless and sort of chill and relaxed. And he says that he actually works on that. He works on being less emotional. Um, they're driving force, both of them, for being world champions. Mick Fannings was partly out of jealousy. Um, and he was sick of losing. And John John Florence, uh, in a similar vein, was really concerned about Gabe Medina. And he doesn't really care about anything else that's going on, but he watches what Gabe's doing for for inspiration and for motivation to be the best. Fascinating. Um, John John Florence getting hurt after two wins, getting hurt in the, in the hunt for his third world title doesn't bother him. And he does not think that Idolo's world championship should have an asterisk after it based on his own injury. Of course he would say that. Right. It's a humble thing to say. You can't be like, yeah, he didn't beat me, so therefore it doesn't count. <laughs> um, Mick, Mick Fanning suggests that this COVID-19 pandemic is only going to benefit John it physically and mentally gives him time off. And John agrees that um, the more time away, the more excited he is to get back on the road and compete. Uh, they both use tons of visual visualizations. Uh, the, the concept of uh, sort of sitting with yourself and, and using your imagination to see how it's going to play out. Um, asymmetri asymmetrical surfboards in competition. Both uh, Mick Fanning and John John Florence don't see that ever happening. Uh, Olympics and the idea of a wave pool. John John Florence actually thinks it's a good idea. And he likes the arena vibe, the idea that the entire place can kind of sit around and watch it all unfold. Um, and Mick Fanning agrees that, hey, if it's only every four years, why not give everyone the equal opportunity, um, which the equal playing field that the wave pool would create. But of course, they both are okay with it having, having the competition in the ocean, whatever uh, that might provide. And then um, the heat with Zeke Lau at Bell's and John John Florence. John John called it a wake-up call for sure, and it definitely threw him off his game and was sort of a low point for him. And um, their injuries, both of them have horrific uh, knee or leg injuries, and they've both of those injuries are in the backs of their minds each and every time that they surf. Hmm. Interesting. That, so that's boiled down, yeah. So um, two questions for you. Number one, did you come out of this feeling like more optimistic about John's chances when the tour resumes with knowing like he also has Idolo now to contend with, because like he said, Gabriel was his main foe and John, John bested him twice. Uh, he got injured on the third try. And during that time, Idolo is now sprouted as kind of the number one contender. So it's really a lot more competition for John going into next year. Did you feel like he's well-equipped and ready for that? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would say that I do. I, 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 um, he does, Mick Fanning sort of refers to John John as the Roger Federer. Like he kind of is just so even keeled. There's almost sort of a laissez-faire, like, ah, whatever, you know, maybe, maybe I'll just eat caviar today instead of train. And, um, 
that was sort of taken away after this interview. I get the sense that although that's just his sort of the way that um, that he's perceived and that's just his his personality is sort of laid back and relaxed and chill. Underneath that is certainly a drive that um, was reinforced, you know, for me. Like I sense that he's going to be on his game. He's fired up. He's ready to go. The best thing that came out of this was this thing that we sort of already know that Gabe is his main foe. At least that's the foe that he considers the big problem. And so we want to see this Gabe John John rivalry continue to be stirred and continue to be um, uh, manifest and continue to be uh, stirred up, like I say. And he, he did that. That's what John John did from this thing. At least that's what I got was that he confirmed that Gabe is his number one concern. And that's a good thing for you and I. Yeah, I guess I've said this before, but um, I really think that Gabe's number one foe is Gabe himself. Whereas John John has a lot going on in his life outside of surfing. And he seems to be really well balanced. And obviously this new series Vela, he's got other interests and hobbies. You know, he's sailing around the world and stuff or the South Pacific anyways. So I see John John as being more akin to Kelly Slater, where he has certainly surfing is the focus, the main focus, but he has all these other interests in life. And so it just seems like a more sustainable 10 and 20 year career to be able to perform, perform at a high level. Whereas Gabriel Medina, that, you know, running on red at full speed, never fall pedal against the metal you can only do for a short period of time. And it also seems like he's into partying more than anybody else. And he's into celebrity more than anybody else. So when he's in the off season and he looks like he's on Molly uh, at a rave, you know what I mean? And like posting with all these Instagram models and stuff that just feels like, uh, dude, he's gonna, something's out of whack or like, he's gonna burn out. He's gonna do, what John Jones d did in the UFC, which is like, he's completely unbeatable and he's only ever been told that. And he's lived on that high horse for three to five years now. And that's when the cocaine and hookers come in, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that's a, I'm not, that is what happened with John Jones. That was not um, uh, me guessing. He actually got busted for it and then got fined by the UFC and not allowed to compete anymore. So I could see something, I could see Gabe just getting in Gabe's own way more than anything else. And then Idolo, he seems to be more well-rounded. He seems to be more balanced. He seems to be more grounded. And I could see him being an actual 10-year competitor with John John at that level. You know? Yeah, if anything, John John would be wise to maybe keep an, an eye peeled on Idolo because of that, because um, certainly Idolo is a force and it's going to be fun. I don't know when they're going to start up the season or if the season's just simply going to be canceled for the year. Um, Nobody does. Look, we've got a few moments left here. I do have a um, musty moment. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to rush through. I know we're on a time crunch today, but I do want to rush through a couple of things. Um, in re reference to John John, he got shacked at Pipe the last couple of days. Pipe was firing. Oh my God, yeah, the Pipe Cam is actually one of my must-see moments. Totally. Pipe Cam's been incredible. Pipe's yeah. on fire, and John John's ruling it out there. So that's really good to see. Um, 
Kelly Slater riding Weber's five 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 fin. Did you see this footage? No. Weber's got a new board that he's working on. There's footage, uh, Stab posted it, of Kelly riding it at Diva. It's like a 5.5 five stringerless, looks like maybe EPS and epoxy. And um, it's narrow. It's like three quarters of an inch narrower than Kelly's normal. And then it has a wing in the back. So it's real narrow in the back. Five fins. And um, it looks radical. And Kelly's shredding on it in small waves. So... What do you know about Weber? Have you sp- Weber is a guy whose name pops up every once in a while. He's obviously in the wave pool game. I looked up his website. He's got artificial reefs that he's designed, yeah, which yeah. I could read a little bit about. Um, but what do you know about Weber? Have you spent any time with him? Yeah, I've actually interviewed him on the podcast back at Surfer Magazine back in the day. Um, what I know of him is really, um, I don't really remember pulling anything insightful out of that interview because it wasn't okay. just with him. It was with um, another guy too, um, East Coast legend guy, um, Tabling, Mike Tabling. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, who's passed away, rest in peace. But, um, but what I, so what I know of Weber is kind of what you and I and everyone else has kind of gleaned from his persona, which is that he's, he's highly intelligent. He's a tinkerer and he's a thinker and he's, um, he's, he's sort of outside the box a little bit and he's driven, you know, um, he's so, you know, I, like I said, I kind of know what, you know, you know, that, he's a fascinating figure. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's a good interview. I remember that he was, he's not, you know, lacking in opinions and the ability to, to discuss those with you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a fascinating figure. He obviously shaped boards for Taj Burrow back in the day when he was on tour. Oh, yeah. And um, he's responsible for that banana model that Kelly, when he first released Slater Designs, there were three boards and one of them was Weber's banana. Um, he's always introducing something new that's on the fringe of pushing design boundary. And Kelly just looks so good. The best I've seen on a small board and crappy waves in a long time. Um so one other detail is Rabbit Tales. Rabbit Bartholomew has a new podcast called Rabbit Tales. No way. Dude, yeah. everybody's got a podcast. That's the thing about this this time is like they're popping up everywhere. And I, I think it's great. Um, you know, but I, we'll see how, how it all plays out once everyone's back to work. It, well, I'll... I have the same exact opinion. I don't, I want to be supportive and I am supportive and the rising tide raises all ships, all that sort of stuff. But, um, we'll talk in after 30 episodes, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a great way to engage and people are realizing that now, uh, people who want to create content are realizing this is a great way to engage, but 30 episodes a year, you know, keep trying to keep up a schedule over the course of a long period of time. And it's, uh, not for the faint of heart. Well, that being said, Rabbit Bartholomew is probably my all-time favorite surfer. And is he really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge Rabbit Bartholomew. He's right in my wheelhouse. When I was 14, 13 years old, Rabbit was whatever, 20 years old. And I'm like, so, like, I've just always been a huge Rabbit Bartholomew fan. And I'm a, He's a great fan. storyteller. So the po- I haven't listened to the podcast, but it's got to be great. If it's Rabbit yeah. Tales, the I name agree. says it all. His tales are going to be amazing. Yeah, for um, sure. The other detail with people not being able to sustain podcasting for the long term, which is my prediction, uh, 
there's no financial, there's not enough of a financial reward to be able to do it for the long term. And that's why we owe Need Essentials a huge thank you for keeping you and I in business for the last, I'd say, two to three years. Absolutely. You couldn't do it without them. No, I'm a huge fan of Need Essentials. I'm stoked. I'll be wearing my Need Essentials wetsuit and my and my puffy jacket tomorrow morning when I'm and my wet dry bag. I'm bringing. There's going to be a full Need Essentials mission tomorrow morning. I was going to recommend the wet dry bag, even though it won't get wet on that mission. You can at least cinch it tight so that you don't end up with a rattlesnake inside of it at right. when you come back. Exactly. <laughs> Things bulletproof. Um, but also with Need Essentials, they've provided all of the Torn Martin content for us for the last couple of years. Like seeing him surf in the far ranging places that he's been has revitalized my kind of wanderlust from my youth when I used to watch surf videos and see it was mainly Indonesia when I was growing up. But um, all of that Torn Martin stuff is so insane. Every other month when something pops up from Morocco or, you know, snowy the snowy reaches that snowy stuff is out of control out of control dude it looks not fun yeah so need essentials for all of your ocean going and mountain going needs huge thanks to them for supporting us on the show um all right kook duke must see moment scott yeah so my must see moment uh, i've got a couple of them but the main one is the Last Dance, which is the story of Michael Jordan and the final season of the Chicago Bulls basketball dynasty. I don't know if you're a, a mainstream sports fan, but if you are, and you're probably already well aware of this, it's getting a ton of hype and it's an, it's an incredible uh, documentary. I think it's got 10, 10 episodes. They've done two, ser- two of the episodes so far, and that's a must watch. And then the other well, one is- where do, you, where do you watch it? Oh, ESPN. And ESPN has the- um, the PG version and ESPN two has the, um, all the cuss words. Do you have to pay for that? Or is that a no, free, no. It's free website? Okay. ESPN. Yeah. Wherever you catch, wherever you get your ESPN content. Got it. And then Surfline's pipe cam. I've been watching that in the afternoons. It's been ridiculous. It's been fun to watch. And when I have zoom meetings or whatever, I just put it on the background and just geek out on it. Yeah. Awesome. My must-see moment is a film that I highly recommend to everybody. Jason Bateman not only stars, but he directs. It's called Bad Words. It's an older film, right? 2014. I'm going to watch that. Is it a laugher? Are you laughing? Dying laughing. Dude, last (laughs) night, laughing so, like, had to pause it to catch up with our laughter and then rewind it and watch the scene again. It was ridiculous. So, Jason Bateman um, basically cheats the system in order to uh, enter the National Spelling Bee and compete oh, against yes. nine-year-olds. Yes, yes. I've, I've seen this movie. This is a great movie. There's a loophole in the Spelling Bee that is like if you didn't graduate eighth grade before this, or if you graduated eighth grade after this date, you can't qualify, but he never graduated eighth grade. So he gets in as a 40 year old and is just trouncing nine year olds. <laughs> it's so good. I'm going to, I'm going to rewatch that for sure. I love it. You've got to, even if you've seen it before, it's so good on the second viewing. Um, best movie I've seen in a, in a week or so. And then I've got a Duke and a kook. Me too. We'll start, we'll start with a kook. Uh, I'm just going to read the story to you. 
When Solomar Gonzalez asked her stepfather for surgical masks and gloves, he assumed she wanted them, just like everybody else in the world right now, for protection against coronavirus. However, the FBI says her boyfriend used, her and her boyfriend used the highly sought after protective gear to disguise his fa- their faces and fingerprints during an eight-day crime spree that ended with the couple's arrest on April 9th. They basically robbed a bunch of liquor stores where they were only getting away with 500 bucks at a time at the most. And then a New Haven cop eventually recognized the pair from an unrelated disturbance call. And during that incident, the police captured body cam footage of the two and their Honda Accord and their license plate number, and then was able to put it all together. But dude, with everything going on right now, to then add that level of complexity to not only our uh, you know law enforcement, but also just the liquor store, who's just, we're going in there for essential goods to eat and drink. And they're going in there and they're robbing it and then creating all that pandemonium. Kooks. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Complete kooks. When you leave your house to go grocery shopping, you're basically wearing a a bank robber's costume. (laughs) Like now is. I saw a funny tweet or text or something where a guy's like, "Um, yeah, I just went into the bank with a mask on and pulled it off. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, my kook is all the people at that Encinitas COVID-19 parade, the participants um, this weekend. That thing was ridiculous. And you're all kooks for not social distancing and for not wearing masks and for jumping up and down like it was something to celebrate. Good call. Who's your duke? My duke is Willie Lucas and Micah Nelson, the Nelson clan. Willie Nelson, Micah Nelson, Lucas Nelson. They put on a live um, performance from their home called Come and Toke It. And last night on Stephen Colbert's show, they sang the song together, Hello Walls. And it was Willie Lucas and Micah Nelson. Very cool. Some sneaky harmonies by Lucas and Micah. So if you get a chance, go on YouTube and check out the Nelson clan singing Hello Walls. They're also good friends with the Miola clan on Maui. Yeah, they're friends with Lope, Jerry Lopez. A lot of people are neighbors with the Nelsons on Maui. Yeah, the um, Matt Miola went to school with one of those boys. Yeah. Uh, my Duke is a gentleman named Dr. Mario Quiros. Yes, he's well-deserving of this. Yeah, he was interviewed on Stab by Morgan Williamson. And it was just a great interview. It was really sober and rational. Yeah. And uh, Mario is obviously a doctor. He works... Um, on the front line in, I think at ER, uh, in ERs in both Los Angeles and Miami. And then he also does a bunch of work in Kanduy, like as the resident medic. I think he goes and stays there for a month or two <laughs> to do that, which is kind of cool. So he surfs great. Lots of footage of him getting shacked in big waves or sizable waves. And basically what I will, kind of the ultimate thing that I got from this is they're asking what's the outlook on this? And he goes, look, it can go one of three ways, but the most logical of them is that 60 to 70 people, 60 to 70% of people around the world end up contracting COVID-19 and then the disease ceases to spread because of that. If enough people have the antibodies and the immunity built up against it, the disease ceases to spread at the rate that it is. Because the reality is we're not going to get a... um, uh, vaccine for it. Yeah. Within, you know, 18 months, 
is no. even an optimistic thing. So, and we're also not going to socially distance adequately enough to stop the thing completely. So what will happen is it will infect up to 60 to 70% of the population of which a couple percent will die. And then the rest of it will just kind of, uh, it'll stop growing after we have enough immunity built up to it. So how long that'll take, who knows, and how much the economy kind of shuts down throughout the process or comes back online, all of that, we don't know. But that seems to be a rational and sober look at the reality of it. Yeah, I read I read the article. It was great and um, well-deserving of your Duke pick, a good doctor, a good guy. Surfer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Scott, this has been a wonderful episode of Spit Remotely. I think we're pulling it off. I agree. Yeah, good work. Um, I tell you what, until next week, yeah, no. we owe that. We, oh, we do forgot we to. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you tell the listeners what's going on? Big news, surprise. Scott and I are going weekly. We've got time on our hands. We've got lots we want to discuss every Tuesday uh, for the indetermined length of time in the future. Yeah, weekly. I mean, hey, by tomorrow, I could either be arrested, fined, or have a smile on my face, perhaps all three. I don't want to wait two weeks to hear that story. <laughs> okay, until next week, adios and aloha. Last Sunday morning, the sunshine.
the subway train Don't forget the poor 